I'm Sam. And I'm Leah. And this is Fall Risk. All right, welcome back, listeners, uh, to another episode of Fall Risk, where we talk about everything and anything skydiving. We've got Leah Levy. Is that how you say your last name, Levy? Uh, technically Levy, but like everyone says it differently. So Levy. Okay, <laughs> no worries. We've got Leah Levy on the on the uh, podcast today. Hello, Leah. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? So far, so good. But we've got the day is still young, so we have plenty of time for things to go sideways yet. So <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Uh, so you are currently recording from what state? Arizona. Arizona. Are you near Skydive, Arizona or? Yeah, I live like a mile away from the drop zone. That's, that's nice. Yeah. Must be super sweet. It is. It's convenient, (laughs) except like right now it's the off season here. So it's like kind of like the the winter version where it's like no one's here. Not a lot of jumping happens, like really short days, but. Yeah, that's fair. Does it get really like gross with the wind there or is it just because it's really hot? Like why is it the off season? Um, Kind of a combination. Like it's like today I think it got up to 112 degrees. So it's just like disgusting out. Um, And then like in the spring before this, it gets really dust devilly like when it heats up that much. Um, so mm-hmm. combined with that and the heat, usually like we're done here by like 11, like on the weekends, sometimes noon. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what do you do with yourself in this in this in the summers then there? Um, like, do you travel to skydive or? Yeah, like the past four summers, uh, David and I have actually gone back east, like driven back with our dog because we had enough like events that we were working or we would work at Skydive Orange, the drops in there. Um, and then every summer okay. it just became like less and less. Um, so we flew back in May for to work an event, see some family and we'll fly back in August to work the big O boogie at skydive orange but other than that like this year we're actually stationary in arizona i've got some military contracts that i'm working um kind of piecing it together and then we're still kind of busy with like local projects design work um and i'm doing some levity stuff so staying inside avoiding the heat (laughs) yes avoiding the heat i like that uh i i sometimes wonder if a dry heat would be better than the humid heat up here but then i'm like I don't know. I don't know which one I would like. I'm literally bringing two shirts to work right now at Scott Evan West because you go up and do one tandem and it's like, this is disgusting. I need to take this off and put the fresh shirt on, let the one dry out. It's really bad. It's the humid heat is really. And then we're right next to the lake too. So it's like literally 10, 15 minutes away. So it's just like pouring off the lake. It's really. Yeah. That's how the East Coast was. Here there's just like, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> like there's no shade. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a catch 22. That's fair. That's fair. Well, interesting. Cool. <laughs> um, are you ready to kind of get into, you know, the, the quizzing, the, yeah. the interview? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I hope so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you and I have known each other, like known of each other, I think for a few years now. Um, uh, for anyone that's listening, I met Leah at a tunnel camp at a um, camp in Oregon, wasn't it? I was trying to remember because I was going to a lot of camps at that time. I was like, I think it was Oregon, but. I'm pretty sure it was the Portland. Um, it was like the phase one for Project 19 uh, camp. It was like one of the last phase one camps, I yeah. think, before they transitioned into phase two. Um, yeah, so I met you there. Uh, I remember 
you walking up the stairs at the Portland tunnel at the iFly iFly tunnel and I'm like she looks cool and then you sat down right next to me and got right into a conversation about like you know skill sets and what you wanted to do with with the entire thing and it was it was really cool. It was very refreshing. I liked it a lot. <laughs> yes. You made an impression. I remember you were like, yeah, there was like highlights from that trip. And of course, it's like always the people you meet at the camps and like you stuck out. I remember going back to mm-hmm. Skydive Orange and being like, I met this chick. <laughs> like... <laughs> well, that's nice. Good. I'm glad I made a good impression. Not, mm-hmm. a, <laughs> not a terrible one. Um, let's talk a little bit about your origin story, though. Let's talk about how you started in skydiving. Um, what year did you start? How old were you? Where was your first jump? the works yeah so i did a tandem for my 18th birthday um and then it took me like a year and a half to save the money to get like licensed so i didn't start my license till 20 what year is it now 2015 2023 yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just got like a facebook alert of like one of my like because uh, i started a small Cessna drop zone so it was iad instead of like static mm-hmm. line or AFF. And it was like Facebook memory today. It was like eight years ago, you first clear and pool, which is like your first hop and pop where you pull for yourself. Um, and mm-hmm. I I thought I had only been kind of like six set or seven years. And that reminder was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's been eight years. Um, but yes, yeah, so I started at West, West Virginia Skydivers um, in West Virginia. It's like 20 minutes from mm-hmm. my house. Um, yeah. I had saved up the money to go on a backpacking trip with the then boyfriend. And of course that fell through as like a high school boyfriend. Uh, so I took the money and put it towards my licensing. <laughs> you put it towards something way cooler. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it cat- it catalyzed um, a whole different life path. I mean, would you trade it? I don't think you would trade it. Oh no. Hell no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, that's cool. So you're an 18 year old. You were 18. That's cool. I don't meet too many people who, Tried it at 18 and then continued on with it. So that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. There's there's not too many that stick it out for a long period of time. Um, it's interesting. Very yeah. Interesting. There are times I'm grateful that I started that young and then other times where I'm like, I see the, I see the pros and cons of both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as someone who has also been in it since she was 18, it's like sometimes I wish and yearn for the stability of like a nine to five job, you know, yes. and like everything that comes along with it. Uh, and then there's other times where I'm like, I don't know who you would be without this. Like you probably wouldn't be this person and this person's pretty great so far. So, I yeah. mean, di- you know, so you're right. It's catch 22. There's a little, there's double edged sword there a little bit. Um, how many jumps since then have you put on for yourself? Like where you at? Where you at? Um, I have around 1700 jumps right now. Um, I wish it was, I wish it was more for eight years when I do that math, but at the same time, I'm just like, it is what it is. (laughs) I used to compare it a lot, but yeah, those are all primarily fun jumps, right? Yeah. At the beginning, um, first few hundred were fun jumps and then a lot were tandem video. Um, and then in the past few years, a lot were are load organizing, um, like it's kind of Arizona and stuff and boogies. And then the rest are fun jumps. Yeah. Okay. I shouldn't say fun jumps then. I say sport. Like you're on yeah, your yeah. sport rig. You're on your own canopy yes, yeah. doing all these jumps. I mean, that's pretty impressive though. Uh, I think you should give yourself a little bit of credit there because I mean, if I think about how many people from up here that I know that have been skydiving for eight years and they still haven't cracked a thousand skydives, you know, like it's pretty impressive that you're, you're doing enough jumps where you're, I mean, you're paying for most of them, right? Or you're or you're getting paid a little bit, like as yeah. a videographer, but you're not you're not doing it for work, right? And it's you're doing it on your own time. Like that's pretty impressive. You should 
you should feel good about that. I yeah. Think. I do when I like remove myself is just like being in Eloy where it's like a Mecca of skydiving. There's so many people with so many jumps. Like I, I still always feel like the baby here, but yeah, it is a lot in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> uh, how much tunnel time do you think you've accumulated over the last eight years? Um, I log it, but not super. I know it's over 50 hours, but probably not. Okay. Probably not 75, maybe like 60 somewhere. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Would you say that that's more in recent years or has it been like a steady amount throughout the, throughout the eight years? Um, it was, I don't think I even sang in the tunnel until I had like two or three years in the sport. Like I was very, now two years, I was late to the game. <laughs> um, it probably ramped up a lot more when I moved out here to Eloy, just being that close to a tunnel and it being semi-affordable compared. Um, yeah. And then when I could start flying, like head down with people and then the like different tunnel leagues they have out here it ramped up the last few years cool so you get to share time a lot these days yeah that's um occasionally they'll run deals and i'll try to do coaching and i still maybe do that maybe like a third of the time that i fly but a lot more so it's flying in groups here cool cool i mean that's an easy way to build time build a yeah. lot of like skill sets you know <laughs> flying with other people especially if you're flying vfs which We'll get into in a little bit here, but <laughs> uh, it's a great way to get really good and share time and keep costs down. Unfortunately, the startup costs are always like astronomically ridiculous. Yeah, that's why when I look back, when I was like just blew through my savings being a college student trying to skydive, and yeah, I don't regret it, but <laughs> it was. A I thing. feel you. I feel. I had no money. I had no savings to start any of it. So, like to begin with, I just started working in skydiving and I worked my way up, like to make it to make it. Uh, achievable, I guess, you know, um, but I feel you on like feeling like you don't have enough money to do the things you want to do. Totally yeah. get that. <laughs> we always joke and when people are like, oh, you're living the dream. And we're like, oh, it's surviving the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I always, I always think it's interesting when, um, when people cut away from like a regular, regular life, you know, a regular like nine to five job that will absolutely easily pay for all the things that you want to do yes. with skydiving. And then they're like, no, I want to run away and join the circus. I'm like, oh, but <laughs> you literally have it all, man. Like, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, it's uh, the grass is always greener. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. You do get a lot of freedom with this type of type of job. So no, this type yeah. of gig. So double edged sword. Uh, what do you do outside of skydiving? Like, what do you do for work? What do you do uh, besides jumping and flying? What are you into? What do you like to do? Um, so after, like, ever since COVID, I've been trying to become a more well-rounded person because I realized that's all I did was skydive. And all the work I did was yeah. in skydiving or skydive-based. Um, so I've gotten more into, I was into trail running for a while. Um, and I got into, like, weightlifting. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, just kind of, there's not much to do in Eloy other than skydive and then just do like physical <laughs> things. Um, so that's mm -hmm. kind of been it. And then um, always just like, it's still skydiving based, but just like creative outlets. Um, okay. Design and sewing. Yeah. Uh, what types of creatives act creative activities are you into these days? Like, um, I, I mean, I have, I have answers in the back of my mind, but I want to hear it from you. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish like, because I used to be such a creative person before skydiving like a lot of drawing a lot of painting um these days mm -hmm. it's more like a lot of graphic design work which I still really enjoy um and then like a lot of kind of prototyping for for levity my own company and stuff but like um I, I like sewing like soft goods like backpacks and purses fanny packs mm -hmm. things like that 
Um, so even though it is work, it's still fun in the creative outlet. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. You get to problem solve. You get to work with your hands. It's pretty cool, right? Yep. Cool. Um, what about uh, designing for UPC? Is that still a thing? Yeah, that's um, that was kind of like an unexpected full circle gig, but I really enjoy it. <laughs> um, I had interned there like in college. Um, and then so mm -hmm. when they needed somebody to kind of like fill this role, it's just like a contract thing, helping customers design rigs um, and help with the embroidery process. Like when my name yeah. kind of came back around and I started just doing a few rigs at a time and now it's just kind of become this like full part-time gig. Um, mm -hmm. It's cool to work with the customers because I really love the company and I'm <laughs> like, yeah. um, and I love the like innovative and the ingenuity. And so getting to mm -hmm. like have other skaters have really cool designs out there. Like that's cool to see and cool to be a part of. Uh, design the image files yourself or does somebody do what I did <laughs> where it's just for, like full disclosure Leah did the design for my rig so if you've seen my brand new vector that I got last summer um the skull rig essentially uh if you've seen that and there's been a, quite a few people that have made comments about how awesome that looks by the way you did a great job um if you do things the way I did it, where I sent you a mock-up and I said, this is what I want. Here's the icon I want. Like, can you make, can you like basically put it, put it into the right format for UPT to use? Do people do it like that? Or do they send you an idea and you kind of conceptualize it and send it back to them and see what they, see what they think? Like, how does that process, or what's that process like? Yeah, it's like almost like a total split. There's like some people like your instance, like you knew exactly what you wanted and it was just formatting it into the like CAD templates. Um, so it was like production mm -hmm. ready, embroidery ready. Um, and then the other part, sometimes it's people have an idea or like a logo or an icon that they want, but they kind of need the idea flushed out or sometimes mm -hmm. they'll come to me with it. And I'm like, I think it might look better if we do this. And then we go back and forth with the revisions. And then the other 50% yeah. 75% of the time, like people come with the colors or ideas that they want. And then um, I get to kind of design it from scratch. And then we go back and forth with revisions until it's like something they love. How, how exciting is it, to, it yeah. when you think about the fact that your art is on this like $5,000 piece of gear that someone bought? Like how exciting is that? That's pretty rad. It is cool. It's like cool that people trust me with that process. Um, mm hmm it's funny that like I did design my own rig that's uh, like I have now and I've been jumping, but usually I don't like wearing like t-shirts that I've designed or like my people always ask if I like have my own tattoos. I'm like, no, like I don't design them. Like I do. It's weird seeing my <laughs> own artwork like on for things for me, but mm -hmm. it's, it is cool to see it out there. Like it's cool to see it in free fall. It's cool to see it in photos. It's cool to see it at boogies, but I'm just now starting to see a bunch of the ones live because of the production time. So over mm -hmm. like a couple hundred rigs now. I'm just starting to see them out in the wild. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's pretty rad. Uh, what was, to bring it back to, to skydiving, what was your first student skydive like? Do you remember what that was like? You said you did IAD? Yeah. So the first like three, they were like deploying for me, kind of like static line. I would just like butt launch out of the Cessna. Like I was too afraid to like take my hands uh, like out of the proper <laughs> poise position. So I would just like squeeze my butt cheeks and launch off the plane. Uh, it was like an open door <laughs> and seated. 
Um, so those okay. ones went okay. But as soon as I graduated to like free fall, I totally like flailed the whole way down. Couldn't find the coat. The coach couldn't find me because that's how IAD set up. I think I pulled it like mm-hmm. three five, which was too low for the student ones. So technically I would have failed it. Um, and then I was like terrified for two weeks after that until I could make my next jump. So like I kind of struggled with that. And t- but then after that, everything was fine. But the first real one was a bit of a struggle bus. Yeah. I mean, it's an adjustment, right? You're suddenly there. I mean, I, I don't know too much about IAD and like how it's structured in comparison to like something like AFF or static line. Um, but I imagine they're probably trying to desensitize you to certain parts of it so that you have more mental energy to be, you know, focusing yeah. on other, other areas. Um, it's an adjustment, you know, like, yeah, it was um, like yeah. IED out of a Cessna. It's like you kind of learn the canopy skills first and how to deploy mm-hmm. at the lower altitude. So you do those like hop and pops. Um, and yep. then just because you can't launch the AFF instructors out, I, I was like, I c- called it figure out free fall on your own. Um, just because <laughs> it was like, leave the, that first jump. Um, and then the rest of the time you're with coaches, but it worked yeah. out. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. I figured I mean, it out. <laughs> that's a, it's a wild, um, you don't see IAD being used very often anymore. You don't see static line being used very more, very much anymore these days either. Um, so that's a you might be like one of the last in like that generation, you know, of, yeah, it is kind of, of cool learning to talk it that way. School. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. Uh, what made you want to try that first jump? You said that, uh, you took that money that you had been saving up for something else and applied it to this. Like what made you want to try student skydiving? Like, or IAD? What, what was the goal there? Yeah, I think, like when I was really little, I'd seen a family friend go like do a tandem for her 70th birthday and she had her like party out at the airstrip and everything. And so I like, I knew from that point, like as a young kid, I was like, I gotta try it. Like, I think I'll like it. I did it for my 18th birthday, fell in love with it. And then I think I always knew I wanted to do something like either become a whitewater rafting guide or a skydiving license or instructor or something like that. So I just kind of was there <laughs> and okay. I took it. What At what point did you realize this was something you were gonna be doing for a long time though? It was probably the summer I like decided to work at a drop zone. Okay. Cause like the first year, um, yeah, the first year I had like gone home from college and was like still doing my waitress job, like trying to make money to skydive there. And when I got tired of that, I decided to like go live out of my car at Skydive Orange, like Mm-hmm. which was the the drops I was going to at the time, like give that a try working manifest and packing. And then when I kind of like realized that that's where all my money and time was going to, that's where all my friends were. That's when I started like looking for an internship in skydiving. And that's when all my school projects started becoming about that. <laughs> um, yeah, it just took over. <laughs> like searching for internships in skydiving. That's a wild concept for me. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's, I didn't even think that that was like a thing, right? So where where did you look when you first started like pursuing that? Yeah, it was, Um, I just kind of like threw it out there and was like hoping something would stick. Like I was just kind of really tired of college at that point because I was skydiving and I was like, I'd rather be doing that. So mm-hmm. I had to figure out like if I could take a semester off and make it about skydiving. So I just mm-hmm. like emailed all the manufacturers um, like just a resume and like a letter being like, I would love to come work if you would have me. And I think like only 
only two got back to me and then one was like oh it's just not gonna work and then upt was the one that was like sure we'd love to like they're like we can pay nice. you a per diem which was like enough to cover my food costs but not skydive yeah so, but it was still like that was i think the experience that kind of like catalyst like catapulted everything Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that's a wild, a wild way to kind of get into the working side of skydiving. There's not too many people. I mean, think about it. Like there's like 40,000 skydivers nationwide and maybe a couple hundred of them work in skydiving in some sense, like or not work, uh, sorry, like work for the people or the manufacturers that put our gear together, that produce our gear. Like there's so few people that do that. And I don't know that anybody really thinks about how to get into that either. Um, Such a small percentage of people like push for that type of um, experience, you know? So it's, it's unusual and interesting. Yeah. I didn't think it would work. Like me just like asking, but I was like, oh, the worst they'll say is no. And the worst is I'll have to stay in school this semester, but it worked out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you earned any ratings so far? Um, I got my co-trading like early on. Um, and then I am hoping here soon, I was supposed to get tandem rating like this past month. Um, mm-hmm. I won a scholarship for Scotty of Arizona and Scotty Woods, um, his school tandem rating. Um, but I like partially dislocated my knee like six weeks ago. So I'm just kind of waiting until I get back to full strength before trying to deep squat someone out of a hotter toy. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did that happen? If you don't mind me asking the knee injury. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, um, I was back home visiting in skydive orange and I was just running out a fast landing, um, mm-hmm. on, it was pretty like uneven ground compared to what I'm used to here in Arizona. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of like on the fifth step, it just like popped back and out and then popped back in. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. I, I, th- I thought I had torn something at first because it made that like popping noise. And so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what have I done? But yeah, it's it's like a lot better now. I've already been jumping again. Um, I just like want to make sure that I let it heal correctly so I don't do yeah. it again. Mm-hmm. And I feel so you. that I can do my tandem rating this fall. I mean, you're set up for success with the otter doing it out of the otter, you know, like and how tall are you? Uh, five, four, five, four. Oh, yeah. Pfft. You got this. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm five three, and uh, we are spoiled uh, with the otter here at Skydive Midwest. And um, somebody was like, "Oh, are you gonna sit your your sit your exit down?" I was like, "Why? Why would I do that? I'm five three. This is fine." <laughs> yeah, you're tell. like I can already stand up in the plane, just like right. Um, I'm sure that when you go through the course itself, like they're gonna be hard on you, and they're gonna they're going to um, make you work for it. But later on you know, it, there are little tips and tricks and I'm sure you've got people out there that will show you these things. Um, but there's like tons and tons of tips and tricks to make things easier and you, for, for you to be able to finesse your way through this stuff instead of using brute force, like some of the guys do. Um, so in terms of like squatting people, like, I don't think that happens very often for me at least. Um, yeah. uh, like having to push off solely by myself or have to like, that's good to know completely by myself. Like there's a ton of tips, tons of little tricks. Like my, my advice to you would be to find the best shortest instructor on the drop zone and ask them how they do certain things. Uh, yeah. Cause they're going to, they're going to have all the tricks. I have a list of like small TIs that I was like going to hit up for info. <laughs> and then I have a list of like female TIs just cause mm-hmm. I mean, we're all pretty small in stature as it is, but yeah. 
there's a lot of badass TIs, female TIs out there, and you're on that list. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> um, one, thing that, one thing that shocked me, too, coming to Skydive Midwest here is, like, pretty like there's seven full-time TIs here, and five of the seven are, like, five, six and under. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like, this That's is awesome. wild. This is wild. This is the smallest group, like, shortest group of uh, TI yeah. instructors I've ever worked with. This is wild. Um, yeah, like there's tons of little tricks. There's tons of little things that you can do to make things easier for yourself. Um, don't listen to the guys who tell you you have to like just be strong and like that's all you need. Like, no, there's there's tons of little things that you can do to to make the whole day easier. Um, there, it's gonna be hard. I'm sure it'll be hard in your actual course. Yeah. They're gonna make they're gonna make you have to do that. But uh, once you get through that, like plenty of plenty of things to which is good on. I want to be prepared but I feel yeah. like the the idea used to be very daunting and I think that's why I put it off but like I mm -hmm. honestly don't think I felt like I had the experience up until now yeah um, and maybe that's just like confidence or time in the sport but mm -hmm. yeah like I know it'll be hard but I'm excited for it this time around <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah that's awesome I'm I'm pumped for you I'm excited to see what happens um I mean you're gonna get it it's gonna be awesome uh, you got to let me know how the first few paid tandems go and how, yeah. how exciting it is. Um, do if I don't hit you up for advice before that, <laughs> do me, do me a solid too. When you do your first paid tandem, make sure you tell that student, be like, you were the first paid customer I ever took on a guy and just watch their face. Like, it's so awesome. It's, I always wondered fantastic. how that goes. I was like, how do you tell someone that they're your first? Oh, yeah. You land and you disconnect and you say, you were my first person ever. And then that person turns around and looks at you and says, what? You're kidding. Like, no, I'm not. Like, this is, you're actually the first person I've ever taken that paid me to do it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and That's then awesome. their, mind, their mind gets blown and they're like, you were so professional. I never would have known. Like, la da 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 da. So, yeah. Good. I, I just hope they don't ask before the drop. Uh, you just make it up. You just be like, uh, I've done a few. I right? Like, you've done a, That's you've done when a I'd few be like, tandems. Yeah, by that point I have. And then, yeah, and I'd right? be like, I have 1,700 skydives, so yeah. Yeah, right? Um, people almost never ask me how many tandems I have. They almost always ask me, like, how long have you been skydiving for? And I'm like, 14 years. They never ask me how long I've been doing tandems for. It's just 14 years. <laughs> I've been jumping for 14 years. How many jumps do you have? 6,000. <laughs> they never ask That's how many more tandems. <laughs> yeah, they never, ever ask that, so don't worry. Like, you'll be all right. Uh, that's exciting. I'm pumped for you. I hope everything goes well. I hope you smash through it with flying colors. I have no doubt you will nail everything you get that gets put in front of you. Like, go Leah. Yeah, I'm stoked. Thanks. <laughs> um, you you do have your rigors rating though now too, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah I do. I always forget. How how's that? <laughs> you always forget. You 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 literally own a side business that's all about sewing. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well, that was the thing. Like, I had that business beforehand, and I knew so much about rigging, like from that internship and everything, that people just assumed that I had my riggers ticket, and I yeah. didn't until a few years ago. So <laughs> now that I have it, I was like, of course, it makes sense. Do you are you actively using it, or is it something you you just tackled to like level up your levity game? Um, kind of both. I got got it definitely for like the credibility of having a business like that um, mm -hmm. and being a rigger. And then out here, I'm able to use it a lot, just like having that credential to do pack on military contracts. Um, okay. It's a requirement. Um, and then I do my own, like I maintain my own reserve and pack drops and everything. And then occasionally other random ones. I don't, I wish I did more. Um, 
I just, but because I don't like, I like to have soup, not supervision, but I like to have like cherries or rigor too. So like we'll do rigor checks on each other when we pack our reserves. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the maintenance side of things and I like the, the construction side of things, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I do use it. Um, I enjoy the seminars at PIA. Um, I don't do a ton of reserve pack jobs. I wish I did more, but mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe in the future, right? In the future. <laughs> yeah. In the future. I mean, it's going to make it easier too. Like if you ever, if you ever delve into uh, the more, I, I, I hesitate to say corporate because they're independent companies, right? They're not really corporate businesses, but if you ever delve more into the manufacturer side of things and like getting more into that, like it's always, it's only going to help already yeah. all that knowledge. You know? It's already like useful just having it and the knowledge I do. Um, I'm just like, <laughs> because I jump UPT, I only pack mine and like occasionally others. It's almost always UPT, sometimes javelins, um, some the occasional infinity. Like I would love to have more knowledge on all of them um, mm-hmm. and the confidence. But I guess like someone told me like when you get your ears ticket, it's like a, it's a license to keep on learning. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I just feel like I'll never know everything or be confident in it. But I know that just comes with time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think if you ever become super 100% confident in what it is you're doing, you probably should stop doing it for a little while and take a break. I mean, sure. I feel like that. I feel like that's a point where you're starting to get complacent because you you're not really learning anything and you're not pursuing anything anymore. Um, yeah. I feel like I feel like that mentality of having, uh, you know, that that mentality of always learning, always pushing, always having another goal, like that's what keeps you on your toes and it keeps you like heads up and self-aware, you know, um, keeps you in check essentially. So yeah, I think there's something to that. And there's like, there's a lot of awesome master riggers out here in Eloy. Like just, I feel like that's rare to have so many in one place that like when I do have questions or I need them as a resource, like they are always very willing to help. Um, So that's just like kind of a cool pool of knowledge to have too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited to see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why have you continued on with skydiving so far? Like what keeps it exciting for you? Um, For a while, like, I mean, like the personal growth, I think like every, obviously it's not like the adrenaline, like that's, that fades quickly. And if you talk to any experienced skydiver, I think they'd say the personal growth. So it's like, Chasing goals, of course, was a thing for a while. And now it's kind of like, um, just because I've built like, not a career, I wouldn't say it's a full blown career, but like, I'm enjoying the other side of things now too. Like I love the skydiving itself, but I really like, like the creative side of it or like working with manufacturers or working with customers or working with drop zones. Um, That's kind of becoming like the drive right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just like seeing how like, other industries in the world like other outdoor sports industries or other outdoor adventure industries like kind of like how they work and operate like yeah i would love to see skydiving be elevated to that level um Mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of what's keeping me in the sport and on this career path at this point with it um and then obviously just the skydiving itself is really fun (laughs) (laughs) always it's always fun is always at the core of it but then you know everyone has a little extra spice that they throw in for that so cool yeah Cool, cool cool Uh, Man, wouldn't that be wild if we saw skydiving like on a public format in the same way that we see some of these other sports, some of these other extreme sports? Yeah, that's been like ever since I got on the sport, I've been kind of like blown away that because it is such, 
and uh, in my mind at least it's such a cool sport it's such a cool experience that like I don't know how it's not on the same level as yeah. some of those things um yep. and I think it could be it's just it seems like to kind of lag behind like 10 20 years um yep. just in the form of like yeah marketing social media like all of that I'm I'm surprised that it hasn't made its way back into a format like the X Games. So like yeah, yeah I I mean like it used to be part of the X Games. Like I think it will. X Games. I I mean I'm hoping that someday we see it. Like I hope in my lifetime we see it at some point. Like make its way yeah. back into a public format like that. Um, because like what we see right now is so sensationalized, you know, and it's so inaccurate, I think, like the representation yeah. of what skydiving really is, like it's so inaccurate. Um, part of me wonders, though, too, if it becomes more of a commercialized thing, like how tainted our community would become by everybody, you know, just random Joe Schmoes coming in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if tainted yeah. is the right word, but I get yeah, like, I would never want to, like, gatekeep the sport, but at the same time, like, yeah. you see, like, the, the old school belly jumpers have about how they complain when they're, like, well, mm -hmm. back in my day, like, we didn't have all these rules and regulations, and, like, I think yeah. rules and regulations are great in our sport, and I think that's what keeps it alive and, yeah. the, like, the ability to grow, but, yeah, I do wonder yeah. what. I mean, the other thing, too, is, like, people are stupid inherently yeah. like we are inherently dumb and skydiving has more the skydiving community has more than enough of those idiots already can you imagine what a wide scale like how much that would change the ratio would change yeah. oh yeah i feel like it already attracts like very extreme <laughs> people and like yeah. very different aspects of life but yeah 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 it's like it's not it's not like strapping a snowboard on and like giving it your best, your best shot. You know, it's not like, uh, trying to water ski or I can't, I can't think of it. I don't do extreme sports either. So I have such a hard time like bringing them to the forefront of my mind when I'm talking about stuff like yeah. this, but it's just but, like, like the entry level is so much higher. Like I always try to think or compare to like scuba diving or rock climbing, but even the entry yeah. level for those aren't as extreme as skydiving. Yeah. Sometimes I think I want to make skydiving, I want to figure out how to make skydiving more accessible. But then I think about my time at the wind tunnel and I see some of the people who come in and try that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, I'm glad you had a good time, but I'm not sure if this is really for you, like kind of thing. Um, it's a curious thought, you know, like you definitely want to figure out how to make it more accessible to a wider range of people, like wider ranges of income and whatnot. But the same time, you're it's a double, this is like the theme of this episode. It's like just a double-edged sword. Like the more accessible you make it, the more reality, the, the more you have to think about the fact that like, it's gonna, more injuries are going to happen. More accidents will happen. Like harder, more stricter publicity, regulations. More regulations. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's one of those, it's one of those situations. Like there's pros and cons to both sides of it. Yeah. I do wonder, like, I would love to see the sport grow. And like we said, like become more mainstream, like, the other sports we've mentioned but then at the same time i wonder what like yeah what the future of the sport looks like with yeah just like the way the world's going yeah yep i feel you i feel you it's gonna be interesting <laughs> um i actually talked uh so in terms of like the future of the sport right i talked to a, a co-worker of mine out here who said he thought everything was gonna go start going indoors and we were gonna over like the next 20, 30, 40 years, we were probably going to see a phase out of outdoor skydiving altogether um, just because of like, like gas price, fuel prices, like because of like 
uh, planes phasing out, you know, new types of planes coming in, like the advent of the tunnel. He was saying that he thought everything was going to start moving indoors and we were going to be outdoor skydiving was going to be a thing of the past, you know? And I was like, man, I hope not. Like, I hope this is still a thing. Can you imagine, man? Like he was, he, he got really fantastical about it. And he was talking about like flying cars and like this and like all that. And he's like, air rights are going to be a totally different thing once they figure out how to make cars fly. A lot of that. And I'm just like, I, yeah, you're like, I'm basing so, my whole career in this right now. I can't think about it. I don't know how far down this rabbit hole I want to go with this conversation. <laughs> anyway, future of the sport, right? Like, uh, that's that's you, a tomorrow problem. That's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that, yes, I agree. <laughs> tomorrow problem. Um, let's get back on track, though. Let's talk about what your favorite types of flying are. Let's talk about what you like to do the most in skydiving right now. What's your favorite discipline? What do you like the most? Um, I mean, coming off of like big wasties in the past couple of years, like I am enjoying not touching people in the sky and more <laughs> dynamic jumps, more angle flying. But at the same time, like Eloy being as static based as it is, like I am one of those people that really enjoys static flying too, like whether it's like big way or VFS or sequential stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the discipline and I like when something does work that it kind of like relied on everybody doing their part. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's a lot of pressure and skydiving is supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah. So um, just kind of like, I guess, vibing between those two at the moment. All right. Um, let's talk big ways. Okay. Since you brought it up, uh, <laughs> what would you consider your first big way event ever? Um, I'm trying to think. I was going to a bunch of like, P19 camps are all like one plane shots. And then they started having like the two plane shot camps at Arizona. And I was like on the bench doing the single plane shots for the first few of those. So I was just like watching it from afar. And then mm-hmm. my first, what I would consider like big way was like a three plane shot. And I got okay. thrown on it. And I don't think I had any, I, I was safe, but I did it. Like I was on the far outside. I was just like happy when I got to my quadrant. Um, mm-hmm. I went to like the wrong side of a pod, but I was just so stoked that I was like at least there. Um, so, <laughs> so I'd say that was my first like big, big way experience here at Arizona, despite having done a bunch of the training leading up to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's always interesting to hear what people's versions of a big way would be. Like, so if you asked anybody from up here, right, a big way would be like double digits. Right. So yeah. somewhere, somewhere in the teens and the twenties, right? Like that would be, that would be considered a big way. Right. But then for somebody like you who has done a fair amount of training and pushing for like multi-plane shots, you know, like that's a totally different bag. And it would actually be interesting to talk to someone who's been made somewhat of a career out of it, you know, out of, out of doing these yeah. types of skydives to see what they would consider a, a big way. Um, well, that was like another Facebook memory that popped up today was my first ever P19 big way camp. And I think we were doing uh-huh. like 12 ways and that was the first yeah. one ever. And I got cut from the 12 ways to where I was just doing one-on-ones with the organizer. Cause I was like, couldn't, I, I would just figured out head down. And I mm-hmm. was like being a little unsafe. Like I was barely getting there. My break off. So I was like backtracking back to the thing. So Yeah. It's cool to see how far I've come, but if that was my first one, like, thanks Facebook memories for reminding me that I was cut from a the first camp, <laughs> first 12-way I mean, camp. 
Uh, I would say your first, okay, what was your, what was the first event, the first big way event that you did that you thought was really successful, that went really well, you learned a lot, you nailed what you wanted to do, like, at what point, at what point was that? I'm trying to think, because I've done so many camps (laughs) now, but, like, honestly, I don't think things really started to click for me until, like, the last two years. Um, I was on the struggle bus for a while. Like, I think right. that camp where I met you in Oregon, that was another one where I was just like, that might have been, that was like a first breakthrough camp where that was like the first one where I touched something. Like, I was barely getting <laughs> okay. information, but I got there and I touched it. And we were mm-hmm. only doing like maybe 12 ways there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was on the struggle bus for a while. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. I think, I think one of mine or I guess like the, the only one that I felt went really, really well in the last few years was, did you go to the one with Sharon in, it was like a phase two camp. It was a P19 camp. It was in Deland. Um, it was with Sharon and I can't remember the other lady's name. Uh, we were doing like 15 and 16 ways there. For I didn't make any there? of the ones in Deland. No, I didn't make any of Sharon's, but I, everyone that ever went to like, there's down in Florida. Like I heard such great things that I was like, I wish I could have made it. Yeah. That one was all very, very uh, exciting for me. Um, it was the biggest group of people I'd been with at the time, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, we must have done like eight, eight or nine skydives the one day that worked out for the camp. Um and of like the eight, six of them, I was exactly where I needed to be every time. And it was just like, fuck, like, oh my God, I can do it. Holy shit. <laughs> like, this is exciting. This is super cool. Um, and Jen Halverson, that was Jen Halverson. Do you remember her? Do you know her? Jen yeah. Halverson? Yeah. Yeah. That was her first, that was her first big, like big way head down camp ever. And she was like the last slot out. So she practiced diving every single day. It was like, it was fucking, it was insane how, how quickly she picked things up after that. Um, and then she went on to do the actual record and that was, that was really exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like it's big way camps are, they're wild. A year and a half ago, I was like, I'm not doing this. Why do I keep doing this to myself? Like, I'm not performing well. I keep spending money. And then, yeah, I know. I think it's just a year and a half ago that it, like, started to click. Um, mm-hmm. And I was able to consistently be yeah. where I needed to be, getting on where I needed to be, like, and being, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> performing. Um, why? Why do you want to keep pursuing it? Like, do you have any, I know we've kind of talked about, like, the psychology behind it and not understanding, like, what it is that's going on emotionally mentally for you and yeah when you want to keep when you keep pursuing these but why do you want to keep pushing it further and further because you've talked about like doing the training for the 200 way like you've talked about training for other big big way camps like why um I guess like I still do find it fun and then it's also just like being here in Eloy like where we have so many camps and we have so many resources and we have so many teams and organizers like it just seems silly not to take advantage of that, like while I have yeah. it. Cause I, I know one day I might not live here or I might slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, it, and it's fun to do all the camps and everyone does it. And I don't know if it's just like everyone's doing it, so I should do it, but okay. it's, it's fun to progress with those people um, and just taking advantage of what's here. Okay. So what's different about training for a 200 way in comparison to training for the women's head down record? Um, 
I think, well, I was only using the 200 way camps and tryouts as training for P19 because I never thought I would stand a chance to be on that. And then the fact that I got on that was like, honestly, a fluke. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? it was like, uh, it was like the 100 way sector camp and it was like the last chance or tryout or something. And I think I only got an invite to that because I was a local here in Eloy. And then I remember flying so well on like the last two jumps. I was like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Like, I like I finally performed. I was like, I think they're going to like, I might get a bench invite or something. And I was like, I don't want it. Like, I'm too scared. And I got the bench invite. And then another fluke, someone couldn't, someone from the Arizona sector couldn't make it because of a family emergency. So they're like, you're in. Um, So I was like, I, it was a fluke. But I, I mean, I I performed enough to like get it, but it was just like one of those things that like I showed up, I was like, why the fuck are we here? Um, <laughs> when I was just like using it as training for P19 originally. But mm-hmm. like, I think that's what led to the confidence and the like success for P19 overall. So it's like, it was just all those like happenstance things that kind of lined up. Um, okay. And that's what it was, yeah, up until the last year and a half, it wasn't clicking for me. Okay. <laughs> and then, it started to, but I still felt like, like I didn't belong on the 200 ways, but uh-huh. I, I'm sure a lot of people had imposter syndrome. So wait, so, so correct me, correct me if I'm wrong. Have you done a 200 way now or are you training for a 200 way? Um, I was on all the 200 away attempts this past summer. Okay. Um, I was on the outside, outside, but I was on all of them. That was cool. I've been on the biggest vertical formations attempted. Um, yeah. and then when they did the pie crust cut, I was part of that. So, okay, cool. Yeah. I, when you, when you wrote me like the list of things you would, you'd be okay t- talking about, I think I misunderstood what the 200 way reference was. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's my bad. I should have clarified that. No, uh, it's, I don't think most people would list it because we didn't get the record, but in my mind, I mean, because I was like a baby on it, I was like, wait, like I was on it. But, I mean, I, I think you should absolutely list that because you're in the sky with 200 other bodies. Like that's a that's a big deal. Like that's not, yeah. <laughs> that's not like, even if you don't succeed at the actual like formation itself, you're still, that's still wild. And I would absolutely yeah. include that. That's, that's amazing. That's Leah. Like, I, I know a lot of people didn't have like a great experience with it this past year, but like I came in with like such like fresh eyes that I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Leah, um, like you, you are amazing, girl. Like, this has been two years, two, three years, two or three years, you would say, like, since you did your first big way camp? Oh, wait, let me check Facebook. I think it's been, like, five, because it was before COVID. <laughs> like I said, I was a struggle bus for a few years. I was, it didn't, I, it did not come easy to, like, I was, okay. I've seen, like, I mean, all these other people come up in the sport, and they're, like, crushing it, and I was, like, not, it was a struggle bus. Uh, that first one was 2019, the, the 12 ways okay. that I got cut from. So four, so four years. I guess four years, yeah. Let's say, let's call it, I'm going to call it three though, because three, I feel like is where you started to really ramp it up and like really intensify how much energy and time you were throwing at it. So I'm going to say three years. In three years, you went from doing 15 ways to a 200 way. Like that's pretty fucking cool. Pardon my French. Like that's pretty rad. (laughs) Uh, There are not a lot of people, I mean like the amount of time and dedication and money and like stress, we've already talked about the stress, but all those things like, dealing with that in a constant state for three years and then finally making the goal of being out on a skydive with 199 other bodies like 
that's a huge deal. You should feel fucking amazing about that. Even if you feel like you didn't nail exactly what you're supposed to do. That's the fact that you're even there. Like the fact that like people are there in that situation, like that should be something all on its own. Like that just is massive confidence boost. I, that's just my two cents though. So, well, thank you. That's why I put it on the list. Cause like I am yeah. proud of it, but <laughs> why would maybe you I think, um, like I know a lot of people are like, oh, I won't try it again for the 2025 year. And I was like, well, I want to be on it if it happens. So I'll probably keep <laughs> trying. Well, I do. <laughs> like, yeah. cool. Thank you for making more room for people like me. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's cool. I was like, I don't want to cool. not be on it when they get it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Do you compete at all? No, I've done like scrambles events, like local. I would love to. Because um, like before skydiving, I was always in competitive sports. Um, so I would love to eventually get into it. Uh, I thought this year maybe I'd like try nationals. Um, and I'm just kind of trying to juggle too many hats at one time. So hopefully next year I can do it more competitively or indoor tunnel. Okay. What, um, what disciplines are you interested in? Um, yeah, if I did outdoor or like nationals, I would love to do MFS or free fly. Okay. Um, I really like. MFS, I like the engineering of it. Um, mm-hmm. But anytime we've done scrambles events, I actually really enjoy shooting video. So maybe I'll find a team where I can just do video. Mm-hmm. Um, and then indoor, I would love to do four-way BFS. Okay. Uh, I Is it, like, why why static? That's a good... Yeah, I guess I said free fly and then I didn't even, like, talk about that. Yeah. Um, I think because I like the engineering sides of it. Um, uh-huh. I like how you engineer from one point to the next and that you can like clearly count points. It's not as like subjective or objective yeah. as yeah, um, like a dynamic discipline. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I mean, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I think that I, I think like, so just for me personally, right. I would love to be amazing at like an artistic free flying skill. I'd be, I'd, I'd yeah. love to be amazing at that. Um, I think my brain, uh, I think the way my brain works lends itself more to like a static discipline. I'm a very visual learner and a very visual thinker. So like I can see, I have a tendency to understand things better when I can see it in front of me versus like conceptualizing it in my brain. And I feel like people who can conceptualize things really easily, you know, just on the fly have a tendency to do better with like more abstract disciplines like freestyle or like an artistic skill. And I think people who are a little bit more um, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's a, like I learn like in the tunnel, for example, you can tell me how to do something, but I probably don't understand what it is until I see you do it. And then I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. I can mimic that. Like that's no big deal. And I think uh, a static discipline has a, has a tendency to lend itself more for success to people who are like me, who, learn visually because they can they can they it's easier for them to visualize static images versus like full-on like flowing movements you know like where you have to kind of piece things together and you're constantly moving all the way through it I don't know that's that's just me I don't know if there's any real truth to that that's just something I've thought about myself and like I I do like coming up with a like a dynamic die flow in the sense of like if it's some kind of like angle jump with dynamic movement. Like mm-hmm. I enjoy that, but I don't think I could come up with like a freestyle. Re- I'm not graceful. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> graceful movements. So 
I, I would love I mean, to be, but yeah. <laughs> You're you're talking about how you or you've talked about how you're getting getting into weightlifting. Like some of the the more exciting, um, dis like some of the more exciting uh, routines that I've seen in the past are like the ones with really explosive big movements. Um, yeah. So like that kind of movement might play into things more than like elegance and grace and dancing and ballerina you know what I mean like I think there's a time and a place for stuff like that but sometimes the more exciting routines like and it's all about the visual right it's all about what it is you're seeing happening like sometimes those big explosive movements can be more exciting and aesthetically pleasing than like I can you know like a entirely flowy exciting you know you know what I mean yeah no and I think too like I like the creative side of it and I like seeing where the like modern kind of freestyle is going because a lot of it is with like the video flyer to and involving it's like what what is looking how does a movement like appear to like the judges yeah. and those who are reviewing it and not just in the sky mm-hmm. um like that's a cool evolution of it um yeah that's worth exploring but yeah maybe it's need to try more I never really like dive too far into it yeah interesting I mean so like you can in the tunnel, you can fly all the dynamic lines and everything, right? Like, or uh, you, you know how to m- make all the dynamic movements happen? Yeah, we do. Um, for the, yeah. I'd say, like, okay. I'm, like, intro level to dynamic, uh, high-speed dynamic in the tunnel. Um, okay. Like, we have instructors here that will do dynamic night, um, and I can't do, like, like high-speed layouts. Um, it's just, okay. like, that's been my one block in the tunnel that I can't <laughs> seem to get past. Yeah. Um, so like a lot like uh, for the like intermediate level, they'll modify it to where we'll do like all the head down like snakes and shufflers. But for things like that, we can they'll modify it for us. And okay. I'm nowhere near the level to compete at like indoor dynamic. OK, just because I haven't got to that yeah. high speed level. Something I found a lot of fun recently um, are they call them 3D dives. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, like those are a lot of fun for me where we do a little bit of everything. You do a little bit of static, you do a little bit of belly, you do uh, a little bit of head down, and then you do transitions and like flips and twists and like movement yes. and then some dynamic That's my stuff, jam. right? I fucking love those guys. I was like, they are so much fun. Yeah. Um, they're a challenge to visualize, you know, they're a challenge to put together. They're exciting. Like now that I can fly all of the different disciplines, like all the different positions and like orientations, like it's so much fun putting all of it together. That is yeah. like that. I feel like that's that, a great way to like. That's my jam in the sky. That. And that's why like if I'm a load organizer, those are the ones I like to put together mm-hmm. because they can still also be like challenging for like ninjas that are, you know, the higher skill levels. And then if somebody can come along that is intermediate, like there's a chance for them to catch back up if it's safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Great. Those are like the flow. Like when it, like if I'm thinking of like a dynamic flow in the sky, that's what I like. Mm-hmm. But where do you put them on the plane? That's the real question. I've had this debate. We, we did like, <laughs> we did, oh, it's always like hybrids. Like how long are they going to spend on their belly? Are they exiting on their mm-hmm. belly? Like they actually have a chance. And then like we did a four-way MFS thing with like um, here out of Eloy. We were trying it one day and I was like, where do we exit? And I was yeah. like, we exit on our belly. So there's drift, but we're mainly vertical. So <laughs> isn't that fun? Isn't that fun having that conversation? Yeah. And I'm like, well, what are the winds doing that day? Like, what are the yep. uppers? Yep. So fun. So exciting. Um, 
Cool. Like, I hope I see you somewhere in the competition circuit fairly soon, I think. Yeah. Are you going to only compete in skydiving, or are you going to do indoor at some point, too, as well? Um, I hope. Indoor almost seems a little more realistic, because, like, there's a group of girls I fly indoor. Like, we have a VFS league here every weekend. And it mm-hmm. slows down in the summer. And I fly with the same group of girls a lot, and we've talked about doing a team. Um, okay. So, hopefully, maybe next year. Yeah. <laughs> I th- that's the th- like uh I don't know if we do advance or, I mean I don't know if we we wouldn't like podium and open at all but like we're flying the open draw here okay. um and that's kind of why I think I like it like obviously I can't do that in the sky like BFS in the sky is fucking hard but sorry mm-hmm. language uh, that's all right I don't but, care <laughs> yeah but the, the like the we have Anthem's the one that hosts the Anthem, the VFS team. They host the VFS league here. So like at first they were introducing us to like the advanced draw and then they start just giving us the open draw. So, and they kind of coach and engineer it with us. And it's like three on one player coach usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a really cool way to learn that. And I would like to compete in that, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, every, not a single thing you said wasn't true about four way VFS. Uh, <laughs> it's exciting. It's a lot of fun. Like, it's one of the more exciting static disciplines, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and in the tunnel, yeah. I think it's more exciting because you can move fast. Yeah. You don't have those fucking rigs on you. You don't have to worry about yeah. hitting each other, or smashing. I mean, like, you do, but not the, exit, not the same but... <laughs> way, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we were flying four-way VFS for a long time at iFly Minneapolis when I was still back home. Um, and now it's super exciting watching chemtrails here, um, all yeah. like train all the time, watching their videos. I was sitting in it actually a couple of weeks ago, uh, Keith George was the inside guy on their exit and I was sitting with a tandem and I was watching the exit and he went out backwards. Like he had both of his arms like stretched out behind him and he was looking at the other three guys behind him on the outside of the plane. And I was like, that is fucking wild. Like, oh my God. It was so amazing watching it. I was like, that is so cool. (laughs) I like, we landed and I didn't get to tell him until the end of the day, but I was like, I saw you do that. And I lost my mind in the plane. (laughs) Like the other two guys looked at me like, are you okay? I was like, no, that, that was amazing. I've never seen an exit like that. So it's super eye opening and a lot of fun to watch these guys fly and then get to fly with some of them and have them coach me on things that yeah. I want to do. It's super cool. It's just, yeah, it's cool having those resources at, at like the big drop mm-hmm. zones like that. Yep. Well, Skydive Midwest is a, is a big drop zone, but not really like not yeah. Arizona. <laughs> Bigger than Midwest, but not, yeah. Yeah, as big as- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's cool. I hope, I hope someday we see you in the, the, cir- the competition circuit. I hope soon. Me too. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's the future or like the the next goal that I pursue. (laughs) Yeah, whenever the indoor uh, competition game gets its head screwed on straight, like it's just a total clusterfuck right now, but um, hopefully sometime soon they figure it out. There are a lot of times where I'm like, oh, maybe this year we could compete because like we're kind of training. It could just be a pickup team. Like that'd be fun. And then we're like, oh, it's like next month or next week. And we're like, I had no idea. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll see you there whenever they figure yeah, it out. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. I don't even know where the next one is. So we're being <laughs> whenever, whenever that happens. Uh, I So we're going to transition a little bit. We're going to talk about being creative, okay? Because I know you're video flying. I know you do a lot of content creating with your fiancé now. 
David. Yeah. Ah, congratulations again, by the way. Thank um, you. I know that that's something that you guys have been focusing on really heavily in the last, like, what, year, two years? Like, you guys have been really pushing. I, I, at least it seems like to me you guys have been, like, really flourishing and, like, fleshing out um, what this brand, Flying Pig Studio, is that it? Yeah. Like, um, it, like, stemmed from, I mean, the business in general. It was, like, we were both doing a lot of that anyways, just separately, um, and then there became like enough overlap or we were picking up like the same clients that were like, maybe we should just like make a business out of it, make it official. And then like kind of start pushing for more work. Um, mm-hmm. so it just kind of happened naturally, but yeah, now we're trying to promote it a little bit more, keep it going. So what do you guys do specifically? What do you cover? What kind of projects do you tackle? Yeah. So, um, we call it like a design and media studio. Like I, I would say I'm primary graphic designer, but he does a lot as well. Um, mm-hmm. And we work for a lot of the manufacturers, a lot of the drop zones, just contract stuff. Um, and then uh, on the video photo side, David does, I'd say he's primary on that. Mm-hmm. Um, work with a lot of drop zones, occasionally contract with manufacturers. Um, we work with different teams. Like uh, we work with highlight, which has been really cool. Um, and then like, a lot within the skydiving industry and we would love to branch out um eventually but like mm-hmm. between like highlight being a dream client and then david just had this like really cool project with a like military lifestyle brand um doing mm-hmm. like a stunt project so i saw, like, the, I saw some of the behind the scenes for that that's that yeah really cool so just starting to like pick and I was able to like kind of be key grip assistant on that one day and like help with some b-roll so between the two of us being able to work on projects and picking up clients and things like that, like it's starting to happen. Um, but yeah. That's exciting. I've seen some of the stuff that you guys, you guys have been putting out and I'm like, that is so cool. It looks so cool. Like it's very, it's very exciting seeing somebody else or somebody um, bring to life our sport in kind of an innovative and kind of creative way I think what you guys are doing really well and this is just from my perspective okay so take this with a grain of salt I think what you guys are doing really well is you are doing fantastic with like the short clip edits for like Instagram and TikTok and like you're bringing skydiving to a platform or an audience that is really dependent on those short bursts of like insanity and craziness and like cool you know what I mean like yeah uh, you guys are killing it with that like the, some of the more recent stuff I've seen in the last like just couple of months I'm like man that's awesome like they nailed it that's super cool uh yeah. I actually I actually just had Elliot Bird on here and we were talking about video flying we were talking about we know, like <laughs> we were talking about aspirations and like where he wants to go with like his his craft and whatnot and you and you and David came up and we started talking a little bit about what you guys are doing so like you're going to hear it twice on this podcast at some point about how well like how well you guys are nailing cert like like things like in terms of social media and like bringing skydiving um clips and and content to uh to a much broader audience. Like you guys are really nailing it. I'm very impressed. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, I know mean, we always wish. We, yeah. I, we always wish we could do like more, um, just like have more of a social media presence. We just like get so wrapped up in like doing the actual work that like we forget mm-hmm. how time consuming it is. Yes. Um, but I do think 
it, it is cool with like what we've done with the business, like a lot of the editing and video stuff, uh, David does a lot of that. And then mm -hmm. what I'm able to bring, like my degree is in industrial design, which is kind of like human centered design. So we say like, I'm able to bring the like storyboarding or like how the information or video is gonna be perceived by people. Yeah. So it's like cool to kind of work in tandem with that. But a lot of those really cool edits uh, should give credit to David because he does a lot of them. I mean, I mean, I think, I think the planning, I mean, the, the planning and the, and the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's just like all the, all the, the pre-production essentially that goes into yeah. it. Like that's all super important. Um, I feel like most people have one or the other. They are, they're super good at the post and they're super good yeah. at like bringing the whole thing like together at the end, or they're really, really good at conceptualizing it. Right. Like I feel like most people are one or the other, and it seems like you guys are working really well together to, to get, exactly the 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 type of content you're trying to put yeah. out, like out there like i'm very impressed with with what i've seen um thank you I, well that's been, that that's, been the, really, that. yeah. that's been like the really cool side of it and like at first like when we started doing projects together and like kind of from the business there were definitely like the points where we'd like we'd be like i don't know if this is gonna work like can we really work together and now we've kind of gotten into a flow state where we like realize what both of us bring to the table um, whether it's like a full blown project or an individual edit or like a graphic design, like a magazine ad or a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been really cool. That's pretty neat. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. What kind of projects do you guys want to, what kind of projects do you guys want to tackle in the future or you just individually? Yeah. Um, like that one we just recently did um, was the, with the stunt that he did. Like, that'd be awesome to do more of that. Like, it was really fun to conceptualize, do the storyboarding on that, come up with the shot list. Um, he's doing the editing for that right now. I'm looking at him doing it. Um, <laughs> so it'd be really cool to just take on projects that we get to kind of be the creative, like, directors on and see from, uh -huh. like, start to finish. Um, yep. I know we would love to, like, kind of work with more clients and not, like, I like the goal is to bring skydiving into the 21st century. So it's, like... Yeah. I would love to help with the design and marketing side of that, like, mm -hmm. you know, modernize. And I hope, and I think companies are starting to see the value in that. And then also like what video and photo and social media can do for that as well. Okay. So just kind of like taking on bigger projects with that or. Um, in a, in a more commercial out. sense. Yeah. Um, and not going like full commercial, more corporate, but just, yeah, larger scale projects, whether that's in skydiving or not, it's kind of. The skydiving industry is pretty small. Yeah. But that'd be the goal. Do you, do you guys ever have any interest in doing something like uh, your own production, your own ideas? If that makes sense. I, so, I think so. Like, I think we'd love to at some point, but like a lot of times, um, like we fully acknowledge where our weaknesses are. Like we've been doing yeah. a few first jump courses with Melissa Nelson. Mm -hmm. um, and like we love the yeah conceptualizing doing the video the photo the, like doing the graphics for it but the like project management um and everything she brings to the table we're just like oh, like have no idea yeah. um and I, hopefully we gain the experience and david's worked with other production companies too like doing projects um i think one day we would love to but right now we're just gaining that experience and figure out what we what we don't even know <laughs> totally fair totally fair uh, that, that's like one of my big goals is to like be able to create my own content 
centered around skydiving and put it out yeah. there for people to laugh at and enjoy and be excited by. I actually, I actually just, um, I had Andy Malchiotti on here. Yeah. Like, it was wild. He reached out to me and he was like, Hey, uh, I heard, I heard another episode where you talked about me. Like, can I, can I come on and talk? And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like what? Why the hell not? Awesome. Like, that's going to be great. Like this is going to be wild. Um, and we talked a little bit about Hex and about not too much. Cause it was mostly just about him and like his own, like kind of the same stuff we're doing here. But, um, I invited him back to talk specifically about that. Cause that's something that's really interesting. And like the idea of creating a skydiver based movie, you know, yeah. um, that's not cutaway. <laughs> <laughs> yes <a> drop zone <laughs> you know um something that like we can create for ourselves that doesn't necessarily center completely around skydiving like but has skydiving in it you know um yeah like that, that would be the dream one day yeah right yeah we um, have like an idea for like a funny video series and like we would love to do it like we have like a running note like notes in our iphone for like things a few different ones but it's just like this would be more like passion projects pet projects at this point but maybe one day yeah i've got i've got so many ideas man of in terms of writing and like uh like i've always wanted to do a soap opera centered around yes. that, like that like drop zone life i thought that would be hilarious um just like the the the, the going ons you know and somehow incorporate as the all prop those. turns yeah exactly <laughs> Um, and try and try and figure out how to incorporate all those common soap opera tropes just into skydivers, yes. like a skydiver's life. Um, I've also like really wanted to do horror movies like that center around skydiving um, or that have skydiving in them. Um, like something cataclysmic happens in the world. How does it affect skydivers? Like maybe it happens and you're on the drop zone. What are the next events that follow? being on the drop zone you know like how oh, do you okay. escape this situation you know um that's good here wait i'm just gonna pitch you my skydiving horror film okay that i came I up with wait. trade trademark but you can totally we can do it together okay um, <laughs> we had the apocalypse theme boogie at big o a couple years ago and we were coming mm -hmm. up with like the video story and i was like what if like a skydiver went up on the plane uh, I don't know if he's doing a hop and pop or solo but when he lands no one's there like everyone's just gone like he I don't know if it's a different dimension or what happened, what, what event happened, but he has to figure out then like, where did everyone on the planet go? That's wild. That's why that would be that, that leaves it open to so many things and you can yeah. always bring skydiving back because that's how the initial change happens. And that's how he's going to have to go back to, oh man, that's awesome. That's super cool. I like that idea. I like that. I've got a, I've got an idea for a zombie apocalypse one. Like, so the pandemic happened, right? And we all know how all drop zones reacted to that. We all we all are yeah. aware of like how <laughs> everyone just brushed it off and didn't give a shit about it and continued operations like normal. We all are aware, right? But what what would happen is if like on a on a Saturday you're at the drop zone and news breaks on you know the overhead screen that hey there's this big virus that's breaking out. And we all know how skydivers are going to react to that, right? Like, we all know. Yes. Like, they're going to brush it off. They're not going to pay any attention to it. Like, fuck it. Doesn't matter, right? And so business carries on like normal. And then suddenly things or like slowly things just don't start, like, just are not adding up. Like, you see someone across the runway and they're just like shambling, yes. you know? Yes. And you're like, what the fuck is that guy doing? And somebody goes out to meet him and then they're both on the ground or they're both shambling and like no one's really paying attention because it's a drop zone. Um, 
and things just get worse and worse and worse. And I've got all these ideas of like, like when people finally f realize what it is that's happening, they're running for the airplane, they're trying to escape this, the, like, the chaos and the carnage that's happening. And like, you got this shot of like taking off in the plane, people are trying to shut the door and buckle themselves in and they've got zombies like shambling after the plane and like mm. rolling and falling oh, from the prop blast. Like there's, t I've, <laughs> like they get in the airplane, you're, they're panicked, everybody in the plane is panicked and you've got like sport jumpers, you've got someone without a rig on, you've got people, um, you've got tandems in there, you have the pilot, you maybe have some instructors, some like baby students, you know, you got everybody and their mother in that plane, as many as they could get, and they're just panicked and they're, they're trying to figure things out. The pilot's frantic because he doesn't know what to do or where to go, like all of those things. Um, and then you hear the noise in the background. Yes. You know, you hear that noise, that telltale noise of like, oh shit, <laughs> like we're fucked, right? And like you hear the squelching and the and the the chewing noise and everyone just like the real slow turns around and it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> Is it the pilot? Uh, it's the pilot. Maybe it's the tandem instructor. <laughs> yeah, maybe the, maybe it's the woofo because it's the, it's always the fucking woofo, right? Like maybe it's Ooh, the, the woofo guy. Say. It would be really gnarly if it's the TI or the student and they're like strapped yeah. to each other. So like yeah. one of them's going to get it. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's like the woofo is like eating the tandem instructor or maybe the woofo is eating the pilot or, or something like that. And everyone's like, abort, get out, like gore, like door, green light, go, 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 go. Right. You got people like getting tackled in free fall. You've got like just absolute carnage and insanity in free fall. And then they land and that's the end because they land into a big swarm of zombies out in the middle of the field and that's the end. So it's a short like 15 minute film, you know, based around the love, idea of like. Well, <laughs> we'll recruit Andy as director. Cherry <laughs> right. as like videographer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's uh, time and money, right? <laughs> time yeah. and money. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, a passion projects, pet projects. Right. That if I if I did nothing else in my skydiving career but make that happen in in a situ like in a way that I was proud of, I I could die happy. Like that seems attainable. <laughs> time and money, time and money. Yeah, really. Uh, that's that's super. Like it's awesome talking with people who are also equally interested in stuff like this. Um, I don't have enough like resources out here to like bounce ideas off of people or have enough people that are actually interested in potentially doing the thing to make the project happen, you know? Um, it's very exciting talking to people like that, like to people like you. Yeah. So, well, cool, 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 cool. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see what new content you guys throw out there. I think you guys are killing it with what you're doing right now, but um, I know it's going to grow because – all of these, all of these very successful things do. So I'm pretty pumped to see where that goes. Now, that being said, you mentioned levity again. Let's yeah. do a plug for levity really quick. Let's talk about that. What is levity? Tell us about it. Um, yeah. So it was my thesis project in college that I turned into a business. It's taking old non-airworthy parachutes and other material at this point um, and turning it into, originally it was just hammocks and swings. And now it's kind of more fanny packs, bags, tote bags. Um, but it's honestly like I haven't done much with it the past year and a half and everything I've been doing, I've been keeping like very hush hush because mm -hmm. it's like, it's hard. It was really hard to keep up with demand or ever keep things in stock because I was taking so many custom orders and then also trying to like make money, make a living and mm -hmm. chase skydiving goals. 
So for a while, I was doing a lot of military contracts, kind of just funding the big, the big way camps and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but now recently, I'm kind of rebranding, doing a reboot, kind of refining the product line so I can hopefully like scale it at a larger scale. Um, cool. I'm hoping this fall that'll kind of be back up and running more as a full-time thing. And I can kind of take a step back from as much contract rigging. And Yeah. Is it just you putting all these products out? Are you the one making everything or do you have a system? Yeah. Um, it was just me. Occasionally I would like have like David work a little bit or I had other people maybe like disassemble the parachutes. Um, mm-hmm. I just didn't have like a big enough or a strong enough business plan to scale it. Um, I mm-hmm. never had like like kind of like instructions on how to make the products or templates like cut and everything. Yeah. Like I was just doing it myself. So now I'm refining it to where I would be able to hand off the templates and material and scale it at a larger scale because I have the material. Um, and I, in my mind, it's still a million dollar idea. It's just figuring out how to, how to scale it. Okay. I mean, I think you absolutely could take that like a, on a bigger scale outside of skydiving. I think there's a yeah. huge market for that kind of stuff. Um, especially the repurposing, you know, and like the, uh, um, I know that you, I know that levity kind of, um, the mission statement on the website kind of talks a little bit about, uh, you know, keeping our nylon canopies out of landfills and like making sure that we're being more, what's the word? Um, economics, not the word. What is it? Uh, I'm losing it. <laughs> so sorry. Eco-friendly. Uh, being yeah. Eco-friendly, eco-friendly yeah. with our sport. Like it is really not an eco-friendly sport at all and like how can we repurpose and like recycle some of the stuff that we use right Um, yeah yeah and it's like one of those things I think like a lot of the companies and like I'll even admit it like a lot of the companies that claim to be sustainable and eco-friendly like it's used as a marketing tactic because like us as individual consumers there's on the grand scheme of things it's hard for us to make a big impact so for like levity kind of the mission was like will it make a big, big difference keeping what you know this amount of material out of the landfill it's like sure maybe but it's also like that's kind of where repurposing comes into play as opposed to like full recycling is like mm-hmm. a lot of these things have such sentimental value or they were so expensive like parachutes up front mm-hmm. that it's like how can you romanticize this idea of that it had this like really cool adventurous life beforehand and turn it into something that people can keep and keep it keeping yeah. it out of the landfill that way yeah um like part of what i found in the business it was out of like anger that like like companies are like made of strong parachute material and i'm like okay that's just like a claim you're making because it's made out of ripstop nylon like it's not like you're just using the flashy word parachute there so i was like how can i make that a thing yeah no that's fair uh would you end up taking on like an intern of your own sometime as you as you get bigger and as you expand things and make it easier and more streamlined would you end up taking on more assistance yourself since i'm it was just it popped into my head while you were talking about like upside upscaling everything like uh you were an intern for somebody else yeah. you know would you can potentially consider taking on somebody else to help you expand things yeah definitely i like whether that's from a business point of view whether it's like a, a business intern that can help structure it and scale it or like when i was my senior year after i'd already finished the thesis i had to finish one more semester because of that internship i tried to like hire other college students as interns to help me like you know, do it. And like, they weren't, they weren't interested, of course, because oh, yeah. I was offering pennies. Um, I was yeah. like, I'll teach you how to pack so you can get your skydiving license cheaper. Like, um, <laughs> but yeah, hopefully I'll be in a position like as it scales to 
to do that. And I would love to. Okay. You heard it here first, guys. If anyone's interested yeah. <laughs> in potentially working with Leah <laughs> yeah. on a very cool project, on a very, very cool and exciting uh, endeavor, um, you should absolutely reach out to her sometime in the future. So if anyone listening is yeah. interested, you heard it here first. Yeah. If you have the experience <laughs> and you feel passionate about it, uh, down to listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is so much... Uh, fabric in a parachute though i just deconstructed my first parachute this one last winter <laughs> there's so much to it holy crap uh that was the first time i'd ever turned a parachute inside out and saw what it looked like on the inside it was wild <laughs> yeah was yeah wild. first like the very first one i did i started like pick stitching it all and yeah. then i was like okay that's that is a waste of time i just started taking scissors to like the tail and the ribs to just getting yep. the biggest shield of fabric that I could. Yep. That is exactly what I did too as well. I was yep. like, okay, like I'll, I'll, I'll rip this all to be fun. Like, holy crap, two cells in. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, what yeah. the heck? Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. <laughs> uh, Lessons learned. Yeah. Right. Uh, interesting. 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 I'm excited to see the launch. Uh, I have perused your website a few times, um, in terms of like looking for small items that I can purchase, um, just to say I have something made by you. Um, they're all sold out though, unfortunately. So I will be looking yeah. in the near future for something like that. Yeah. I'll hook you up. Yeah. yeah the new product line will be, um, I kind of enjoy and they sell really well, like a lot of the fanny packs and packs and backpacks and things like that. So I'll still do the hammocks and the swings, but mm -hmm. I think it'll kind of, be more focused on that because that's what sells and that's what I like to make. So, yeah, I even like the pillow, the pillow idea too, as well. Like the, um, yeah, you had all the odds and ends, you know, stuffed into that pillow. I thought that was a really cool idea of like leaving no waste, you know? Yeah. It takes a long time to actually collect enough of the scraps, like, because I have enough material, but like, like, I, those are just shredded pieces as I go that I'll throw aside. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a few floating out there in the world and like people will put them on their rigs and take naps. And I was like, that's brilliant. But like yeah, that. as little waste as possible. <laughs> I know you, I know you're trying to downscale or like not downscale, but like streamline things, but, uh, Oh, hi, David. Hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, uh, airline pillow. Yes. Yeah. Chef's kiss. <laughs> I would get one of those like in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, well, cool. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, I will leave the link in the show notes so you guys can look at it. It's, uh, what is the website? It's actually on pause right now because it's going to oh, change no. domain names okay. with the reboot. Okay. All right. Well, when when if when you, it happens, I will post it for everyone. So Yeah, yeah. It's a, There's a temporary pause on the page while it's going okay. under its rebrand. Um, but if they follow the... What's well, going to change too? But, but if they follow at Levity Nylon on Instagram, I'll announce okay. all the changes there. Um, okay. But that Instagram handle will probably change too. So. That's all right. You should follow it right now if you haven't already. Go out and look for it. If you can't find <laughs> it, go to Leah's Leah's actual Instagram page, and I'm sure it'll be somewhere under her like followers or followed or whatever. So so check that out if you have not. I will try and post it in the show notes. If it changes, I'm so sorry, but. Yeah, no worries. Regardless, I appreciate out, the, the opportunity to share it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, let's finish, like, let's wrap this up with just a couple more questions, okay? Um, if you had one thing in mind about what, I'm going to rephrase this. What do you think is one of the biggest changes you've seen in the sport of skydiving since you started, in your opinion? It's been eight years. What do you think? 
Hmm. I don't know if it's changed or if I've just opened my eyes to it more. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess this, I, I've got negatives and I've got positives. Like the negative is just like the, the influencer side of things, like people getting into the sport and just using it as like an influencer thing. Um, yeah. And maybe whether that means they're compromising safety for it or they're just not doing it with the right heart. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've opened my eyes to it more or just become more, more jaded in the sport that I've seen it. Um, <laughs> Gotten all crusty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've become one of those like old belly jumpers. Yep. Um, but on the positive side that I've seen more is like, I think when I first got in the sport, maybe it was 13% women skydivers and then it dropped down to 12%. Um, and now it's back up to 14%, I think. So I don't know if the initiatives they're making are working. Um, but just seeing more women progress in the sport. And I think being in Eloy, there's a really strong female presence. Mm-hmm. That I, and I hope the tides are turning even in the past few years of uh problems being taken serious on the drop zones. Um, yeah, and things aren't being brushed under the rug or things aren't just like the, the good old boys club anymore. So I think, yeah. I think the change, the tide is coming and changing, and I hope that stays. <laughs> yeah, I think there's uh validity to both those statements. Um, I definitely get the influencer bit about why that's so annoying and irritating. Uh, Personally speaking, I think it's not an accurate representation of what skydiving really is. Uh, yeah. I'm, maybe it's just because I don't understand this type of camera. And maybe I wouldn't have this opinion if I understood more about it. But the 360 videos, I, especially the way they're used yeah on social media right now like some of them are pretty cool like some like some of like the legitimate swoopers are putting together really good videos of their hook turns they're they're turning the angles on the camera in a way that like is chef's kiss great right but i was then gonna say the women of highlight have it down and when they do a demo yeah. and they like flip it to the crowd i was like they've got it but you're yeah. right everyone else i'm just like <sighs> it's just it's like first off first off you're impersonating a cameraman in this scenario. Yes. And then like, it's just, it, it's like, it's like a huge imposter thing. Like it just. And jumping not an the, like, unicorn yeah. Teletubbies thing where it's like, it was already, yeah. You just yeah. got 200 jumps. It was already a snack hazard. And now you're creating yeah. like a. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Giant stick right out of your head. Uh, it's just, it's not an accurate re- representation of skydiving. I think that's what drives me insane about it is that. There are real people who are killing it at what they're doing. They can do this a million times differently and a million times better than like what it is that we're seeing right now in terms of representation. And it's like, it's very irritating, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that speaks to, cause you're like passionate from as a videographer and as a creative point of view that it, it does, I wouldn't say cheapen the experience, but yeah, it's not an accurate representation of what all like the sport has to offer. I think it takes away from people who have put like time, sweat, blood and tears into something like this and have tried so hard to perfect their craft. You know, I think, I think it just takes away from, from an, from the opportunity for people to uh, appreciate that, you know? Um, And instead we're enjoying a, a 15 second clip of someone's 360 camera. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just, yeah 
maybe if I knew more about that camera, I would appreciate it more. Maybe it's that, maybe that's what it is. Um, but right now I'm irritated by it. Now on the other end of that, women in skydiving, (laughs) Mm, women in skydiving, pretty fucking cool. Like how things have been, uh, changing and progressing for us just in the last couple of years. Like that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I think one of the biggest places I see a change is in the number of tandem instructors, uh, female tandem instructors there are. People, women that I see getting it in like the last three, four years, like uh, I have been gobsmacked by the number of uh, women I've just seen in my personal social media feed like that, that are getting that rating. I'm like, fuck yes, join the club. Yeah. Oh, it's so it, The concept of that, like someone said it to me and that's why I was like, yeah, that's why I've always wanted. It was like the, for a lot of people, the only way into the sport is strapped to a dude. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, if that's your only entry into the sport, like. How drastic could your experience be? Bye. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, um, it's exciting uh, seeing so many people, so many other women like go for that, you know? Um, I start, like when I started doing tandems uh, there, I only had a couple of people to look up to and I, none of them were on the drop zone, you know? Um, there was a, a woman named Scooter that used to do them back home for ages. And I saw her do them when I first started skydiving. Um, there were a couple of people down south that I had like followed on Instagram and followed on social media at the time. And like there really wasn't like a ton of them. And then I went out to Paris and I met three other women who all did it. And I was like, fucking hey, this is amazing. Um, and then since then, it's just been like everywhere popping up. And I'm, I'm stoked that we're getting more representation across the board in skydiving yeah it's I think it's a trickle effect it's like more women in the sport like that overall percentage like that'll climb by more female instructors as well and I think highlight like like that team um can you explain what highlight is because for anybody that's not listening I wouldn't want it to be construed. they are um a women's pro skydiving team um, so they're a, a demo team. They jump into stadiums and events. Um, it's comprised of like, I'd say the most achieved women in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like most of them have 8,000 to 15,000 jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're using their platform, not just as, um, like, not just as a demo team, but they're using that platform and that exposure to kind of push, um, like social messages of yeah. equal rights, um, and it really hasn't been done in skydiving and they know that what they're doing will kind of ruffle some feathers, but yeah. Fuck it. Yep. Fuck <laughs> it. They got the platform and they're, they're going to push yeah. it and it's awesome. And I think it's what yeah. sport needs. I think, I think, um, programs and groups like that, you know, within our community, I think that's very inspirational to a lot of people that don't know any better, you know? Um, it's yeah. very eye-opening to a lot of people too, as well. Um, especially other women, you know, that are maybe either have one foot in skydiving and aren't really sure if they want to stick with it or for someone who's never seen it, you know, and never seen skydiving yeah. and then suddenly see women in this, in this role. Like, I think that's very exciting. I think that's very inspirational to a lot of people and I'm digging what they're doing. Like, yeah. I'm digging, I think it's what the sport needed. Way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now... I mean, like the first group that I saw that was like that, it was also one of Amy Chimalecki's uh, groups was the Joyriders. That was one of the first groups that I'd ever seen. Yeah. It was all women and it was very cool. Um, did a bunch of camps with them, like angle camps with them back in the day. And it was, 
it was very, it didn't, I mean, at the time too, though, it didn't even like phase me that they were all women. I was just like, this is fucking cool. Like, this is really rad. Like these ladies are all really cool. And then after a few years, you realize like how important it was that we had that type of representation and how groups like that open the door for what it is we're seeing now. Like, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. They paved the way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very exciting. Keep your eyes peeled for that kind of stuff. Go look at all those, yeah. uh, go, go look at the Instagram uh, pages, go look at the websites, like do all the things and do your research and check that stuff out because it's pretty cool for everyone listening. Um, last question for you, okay? If you could say anything to your younger jumper self, what would it be? Any kind of advice? Oh, I think I've only gotten to this point where I can look back now and say it's just like the, what's, what's the quote? Like uh, comparison is the thief of joy that like oh, I wish yeah. I wouldn't have spent as much time comparing my progress or my financial situation or just like anything like that's just younger self-advice that that's a it's a shame to waste your early 20s like Mm -hmm. (laughs) constantly comparing yeah i feel you how old are you now well i'll be 28 in november when you get to 30 it all goes out the window don't worry about it <laughs> that's when i moved to elo and i started hanging out with like women that were in their late 20s like early 30s i was like i don't want to waste any more time like feeling yeah inadequate yeah. like i want the confidence that these women have yeah uh i mean like you still get plagued by it but it's way easier to just be like fuck it i don't i don't have the energy to deal with this anymore like yeah there are too i'm many slowly getting things. there <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I'm 32 now. I just turned 32 a month ago and not even a month ago, like two weeks ago. And uh, Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> um, it like the last two years have been like lots of soul searching and stuff. So like it comes, it comes like suddenly all at once. And I've heard this from so many other women too that have hit their 30s where it's just like you just don't have the time or the energy to like fucking deal with all that insecurity, all those, all those what if ideas, those what if thoughts, like you just do the thing that you want to do. That's what I've heard. And that's what I'm excited for. And I, when I said, I was like, I want that confidence. They're like, it's not confidence. You just stop giving a fuck. And I was like, yeah, that's what confidence is. (laughs) (laughs) That, that is, that's literally what confidence is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's nice when it when it goes the way you want it to. It's not awesome when you still get plagued by the same shit, but it's a lot easier to uh, it push those those n- inherently negative thoughts aside. And you have you the tools do. to deal with it a little bit better. Yep, yep. Um, that is totally fair. I think that resonates with a lot of people, a lot of women in particular, especially in this sport. I think I think that's a fair uh, fair bit of advice for anyone just starting off in skydiving i probably said that like so when i listen to this later it'll be a reminder for me again but <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh yeah that's right <laughs> i should listen to what i said all right uh cool 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 all right um we've been going for a little bit of time here but typically i don't know if you've ever listened to any of the other episodes but typically we, yes. we end the which ones have you listened to have you listened to any of them yeah, I was looking back through the list to see. I didn't realize you had that many out because I've listened to like probably like four or five. Okay. Were um, any of them good? <laughs> they were all really good. That's why I said yes to you. <laughs> uh, uh, I listened to Jen and Dave's for sure because I saw their names. Okay. So I was like, I them. That was when uh, I first started out and I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm a lot better at hiding it now. So that's nice. 
I think it's really cool what you're doing. Uh, I hope that's you keep cool. at it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm I hoping, I'm hoping to keep at it and flesh it out in a way that it becomes easier to have, like, I, I hope it finds a different rhythm, you know, as I go. Um, yeah. I knew that like, if I didn't just start doing it, I wouldn't ever get to the point where I wanted it to be, you know? So I was like, just go for it. Just do it. Right. Like just try it and see what happens. Right. If it's terrible, like shut it down, delete it. Never happened. Right. Um, but so far it's, it's going fairly well and I hope it finds like a, a slightly better rhythm as I go, you know? Um, and I want to start fleshing it out in terms of not just talking one-on-one -on -one to people, but also talking more about things like the oxytocin burst or imposter syndrome. I think you would be a great person to have on for some imposter syndrome, to be honest, because you don't give yourself <laughs> enough credit and you're, <laughs> you do this thing where you talk about like how awesome something is and then you immediately undercut it. And I'm like, no, don't do that. It's awesome. <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> that's I, why I was like nervous because I was like, I don't <laughs> like talking about myself. <laughs> but then I was, I was like, that's why you need to do this podcast. Yep. <laughs> yep. I just recorded another episode with a couple of people here. Um, I don't know if you know her, but her name's Dana Tubbs. She has been a tandem instructor for a very long time. She used to work in Houston um, uh, for Skydive Midwest when they owned Skydive Houston, like way back in the day. Uh, okay. And then she's, she's traveled around here and there. She used to work for Spaceland for a long time, and now she's up here at Skydive Midwest. And we, her and her partner, Nate, um, we talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect at great length. <laughs> Um, and not just like the, you don't know enough, but you over, you, you think you do, you know, like not, not just the one end of it. We also talked about the imposter syndrome end of it where people are really good at what they do and they have a ton of experience, but they don't necessarily give themselves enough credit, you know? And we talked about how that shows itself in different parts of skydiving and at what points, yes. you know, you should be like aware of like this effect happening to you, like in, in your skydiving progression, your experience level, all those things. Um, and it was a really good topic. It was a really good conversation, but there are other things that I want to talk about, like history, like skydiving history, like the evolution of the parachute, um, notable like pioneers of the of the sport, because we don't ever talk about stuff like that. You know, you occasionally yeah. see it in like the Hall of Fame posts and stuff like that, but you don't we don't really talk about anything like that. And it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I think this would be a cool platform to. To like share it to in a modern way. <laughs> yeah, something more exciting and more um, relatable than like, like it can sometimes be pretty bland when you're listening to stuff like that. It's like really dry yeah. and it's like kind of boring sometimes when you're listening to other platforms. And my goal is to make something that's a little bit more excitable to listen to, a little bit more interesting. You can get to know people a little bit more intensely and you can learn uh, about skydiving things. Maybe not the same cut and paste like, educational bulletin po you know what I mean? Like the updates or like the BSRs and stuff like that. Like just yeah. shit talking. Yeah. Yes. Um, Something that's engaging. Exactly. And uh, if it turns into a brand, if I can end up turning it into a brand where I start selling my own stuff, you know, later on down the line, like fuck it. That would be pretty cool. And then the zombie That'd movie, awesome. right? If I can start getting people and then the zombie more movie. Zombie online short. or more aware of other projects that I want to do through this platform, then fucking A. To bring it back, what we do at the end of some of these individual episodes is we play a game of 20 questions. Okay. Uh, usually I pick something on the drop zone 
It can be anything skydiving related. It's not going to be something like, it's going to be an inanimate object. It's not going to be something like a towel or a toilet or a computer or something like that, like arbitrary things that you would find on on the drop zone. It would be very specific to skydiving. People have a tendency to do better with broad spectrum questions to begin with because it eliminates a lot of things. Um, Some people just go right for the kill and they just start guessing specific objects. (laughs) But it's it's totally... That's a waste of questions. Yeah, it's totally up to you how you want to play the game. Like, totally up to you. Um, If you are stumped at like 10 questions, I will give you a hint if you want to. And then if you're really, really stumped and you really need extra help, I will give you another clue at 15. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right. So I, I can bra- I ask the first one? Yeah, I brainstormed ahead of time. I already have something in, in mind. So go ahead. I'll keep track. So I don't know if this counts as one because maybe you said it and I wasn't listening. It's a physical item? Yes. No, this is not going to count as a question. Oh. Um, so yes, okay. it is an actual object. Some. So I don't know if you know who Sean Kennedy is, but he was on here a little while ago. Um, Sean's a big, <laughs> big swooper. He's in Florida all the time these days. He's going to, he's hitting all the circuits this, this year. Um, but he, uh, he picked a beer fine. And I was like, that's not, I, I, I had asked him, can I hold it in my hand? He was like, yeah, you can do that. And I'm like, you can't hold that in your hand. That's- yeah, that's a concept. Yes. Not a- that's not a tangible thing. So yes, it is a tangible thing. You can touch it. It exists in the, in the world physically as an item. Okay. Oh, okay. And it's specific mm-hmm. to, to skydiving. Okay. I'll start with the classic 20Q question. Is it bigger than a bread box? No. Is it digital? And when you say digital, what do you mean? Mm, is it electronic? Okay. No. I will count that as your second question. Though. Is it considered a piece of gear? Yes. Do you wear it? Well, that's a piece of gear. Uh, it goes on your person. Yes. Would it be considered in a standard gear check? A standard gear check? What does that mean? Like a... Uh, like mandatory to get on the plane like something anyone would do yeah any license per- like mandatory to get on the plane to jump no like one of those checks no okay is it sunglasses nope are they gloves no okay i need to go more broad are they risers why am i guessing specific <laughs> it's not risers no <laughs> <laughs> this is like what, what would her brain think of are they custom what do you mean custom? Would you have to order this thing custom or is it like stock that I can buy from a gear store? It's stock. Does it go on a helmet? Yeah. Just Is it a GoPro mount? Nope. Fuck. That's 11 questions it's by the way. Oh, is it a visor? No. You let me know if and when I'm you just want to through. Them. It goes on a helmet? Mm-hmm. Okay, I want a clue. Okay. No, wait, no, I don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a piece of specialty gear. Not all skydivers would use this. Cutaway chinka? No, but that's a good, that's a good guess. No, it's a good guess though. Is it camera related? Yes. But it's not electric. That's not, that's not one of my questions. Mm -mm. Oh, is it a ring sight? Nope. But I'll, like you're getting warmer. No, but you're getting warmer. It's not a GoPro mount. It's not a ring sight. It's not a chinka. You're at 15 right now. It's not an indicator light because it's not electric. That's not a guess. I'm not, that's you just talking oh, to yourself. Okay. So. <laughs> I'll edit out all these long silences too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Cherry's camera setup hanging there right now. <laughs> 
Actually, are they goggles? No. Um, I'm pretty sure he would have one too, considering the type of camera. Unless, unless he switched up the type of helmet he's using. Is it a mounting mechanism? Yeah. Is it a flat lock plate? No, but you're getting really, really warm. <laughs> How many do I have left? Two. I mean, I feel like you already got it, but I'm going to see if you, if you know the exact name for this. Do I have it on my setup? Uh, probably not. You, you jump a tone fly, right? Yeah. Probably not. He jumps a tone fly. Oh, I thought he had a flat top. Hmm. He does. It's the, I have the like. Same thing. This is a, this is a terrible, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, okay. I, I give up. I give up. I you, 20. you have it. You have it. Like, you know exactly what it is. It's a quick shoe mount. Oh, yeah. I just wasn't saying the technical term. Yeah. Do you want to have a go at it? Do you have time? Do you want to have a go at it? I don't have anything. In my... Okay, let me think of something real quick. Sure, sure. Okay, I got one. Okay. It's specific. To skydiving? Yeah. Okay. All right, is it a piece of gear? No. No? Yes. That sounded like a question. Is it? Is like, it a... technically, I guess? Technically, yes. It's a piece of a piece of a piece of gear. It's a piece of piece of piece of gear. Okay, cool. Does it get worn on a helmet? No. Okay. Uh, does it go on your rig? Yes. Okay. Is it specific to a tandem rig? No. Okay. Is it a specific brand? No. Or, okay, it's not. Okay, so it's just a general idea. Does it involve the closing sequence? Yes. Yes? Okay. That's a good question. Is it made of fabric? Nope. Is it made of metal? Yes. Yes. Technically. Technically, yes. is it part of part of it? Part of it maybe is made of metal. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's metal. Okay. I'm about to embarrass myself, but I'm googling it. Yeah, it's metal. Uh, Hope I didn't just give it away there. <laughs> yeah, it's metal. Um, so it's part of the rig. Once it's put on the rig, does it stay on the rig? Hopefully. Hopefully. It's I'm not just intended. I'm just giving. I'm saying. giving it away. <laughs> All right, so it's part of the closing sequence. It can't be a closing pin because you would know that that's metal. Well, I guess it. Oh, this will be a clue. I no, that's too much of a clue if I say it. Okay. Why it might not be metal? Specific to the reserve. Yes. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna say it's not a closing pin because those are obviously metal. Do you want a clue that might give it away? No. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's the reason why I was, that's the reason why I was like, it's like technically metal. And it's not specific to a tandem rig. No. So it's not any of those extra things. Is it found anywhere else on the rig other on, other than in the closing process? No. Okay. So it's not a grommet. No. Cause those are everywhere. They aren't handles, right? That's not your, it's not any of your handles. Nope. Is it your reserve pin? Nope. It's not a skyhook? No. What else is on the reserve that's metal? <laughs> Besides an RSL. Is it underneath all the flaps? No. Okay, so it's not an AAD. That's a good question. It was on top. Oh, it's the seal! I know what it is. It's the seal, isn't it? The seal. <laughs> so I was like, it's not metal in all countries. Yeah. Like, some use plastic. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, some of them use plastic. Okay. I was like, what the hell else is on there? It's the seal. That's what I was like. I was trying to think of something tricky. That's the... <laughs> that was good. Nice job. Yeah. That was great. You can that reuse that one for the normal. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. That was rad. <clears throat> Somebody else was in their car listening to that, though, and being like, Sam, <laughs> it is the seal. <laughs> well, my first thought was, I was like, wait, is lead considered metal? Like, pulling a blonde mom was like, yes, yeah. lead is metal. Yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> yes, but, but then I was like, not all countries use lead seals. In fact, like, I think the yeah. U.S. is the only one that uses a lead seal. Yeah, I've seen a plastic one before, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know it at the time. I was like, did you tamper with this, and then you just threw this on there yourself? <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah, I get it. Cool. That was yeah. fun. Thank congrats. you. Congrats on getting it. Yeah. Yeah, well, congrats to you on getting it, yeah. too. Well, kind of. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that being said, though, for everyone listening, we're going to wrap it up here. Leah, thank you so much for donating your time to this project. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It has been a blast talking with you and learning more about you. Um, I hope everybody else that's listening uh, goes out and checks out your website, checks out all the Instagram links we talked about. Um, support Leah because what she's doing, she's doing, she and David are doing amazing, fantastic things. And like this type of stuff is going to be the next phase of skydiving. So check it out, look at it, follow her, like give her your support. Okay. Um, that being said, we're going to sign it off here. Thank you so much for listening. Blue skies. Stay safe. Have a good night.